Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cosmic Peach Podcast. Tonight, I have on William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates. And uh, we are going to be discussing a little JFK tonight. William, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for the invite. Great to be back with you. Absolutely. So you've been digging into JFK a little bit on your own show, which inspired me to have you on. And you've been conducting some interviews of your own with some authors who have dedicated a lot of their time into researching this. And if you want to kind of shout those out really quick, um, some books and authors um, from your show, that would be really cool before we kind of get into it. Absolutely. Like I've talked to some very legit researchers into the JFK assassination. It took place November 22nd, 1963. So I was curious. I was not I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I slowly saw different things. And it's such a strange event and an important event that still reverberates through American history, really world history to this day, because so many things change after he was killed. But mm-hmm. I've talked to people, Joseph McBride, Philip F. Nelson, who did LBJ uh, books about LBJ's involvement. Joseph McBride, it was like a personal story. He talked about the killing of Kennedy and Tippett, who was another person who died over that weekend. I also had an interesting one about the Abraham Zapruder angle. His name is Jacob Hornberger. There's a really good documentary for people if they want to check it out. I recommend it. It's called The Assassination in Mrs. Payne. So it's this woman who was like watching over Oswald and his wife in Irving, Texas. Mm. And her strained. And that's just a strange story in itself. We can talk yeah. about that. So that's one thing. I've talked to Corey Hughes, who knows a lot about it and about the two Oswalds. Because something strange was going on. These people with the name Oswald who weren't actually Lee Harvey Oswald were around there renting cars and doing weird stuff. Then I just talked to Mark Shaw. I literally got off the phone with him 10 minutes ago. And we were talking about all the stuff that's happening. Like we just kind of talked in the pre-show, like this is all coming back around again with RFK back in the news. who was really kind of uh, undergoing like his campaign is really on the alternate media. It's very unusual. So he seems to be rejecting kind of the old corporate media model. Then I talked to Jefferson Morley. I highly recommend people look into Jefferson Morley. He's actually doing an interview at five o'clock Pacific today at JFK Files. He's talking to another great author whose book kind of ties into that. It's uh, David Talbot, who wrote The Devil's Chessboard about Alan Dulles, who's in the JFK, around the JFK uh, event. Alan Dulles' nickname is or was the shark, like everything <laughs> that guy touched was a disaster. I mean, he kind of laughed, but like whatever he put his hand on, it was like something bad happened. So, uh, but I do recommend David Talbot's book, uh, The Devil's Chessboard. It's actually got tons of awards. It's a really great book. So Morley's talking to him. So Jefferson Morley's done one about James Jesus Angleton. And the interesting part about Angleton is that Angleton held the file of Oswald in a CIA office alone where nobody else in the CIA could see it. So it was like totally compartmentalized, which is really crazy. Then I talked to Walter Herbst, who I recommend these two books, which is it did not start with JFK. And he traces everything that led up to November 22nd, 1963. So the history, the American, the growth of the American empire um, and it's overthrow. I, I mean, these, operations that were done in Iran and Guatemala and uh, just other places around the world that led up there. I think of also there was the 
they overthrew the government of Indonesia. Just crazy stuff. So that's one. I've talked to Ruth Torres, Chuck Ocelli, whose dad was in Vietnam War. He's a big time uh, JFK researcher. And I just did a really interesting one with the two guys from PSYOP Cinema, Tom and Brett. And we went into the, this film, Seven Days in May, which I think a lot of JFK researchers do not emphasize enough, if at all, because it almost goes into the same thing that happened at JFK right around the same time. Like it's an eerie event where the synchronicities that went through the culture through so-called entertainment were the same things that were happening there. And that's the story of the president, an attempt to overthrow the president in a coup d'etat by the military, which I think was also involved. Pretty much sums it up. Right. So I totally recommend people check out Seven Days in May. Uh, And it's really, it was written by the guy who did the Twilight Zone. Yeah, Rob so it's Serling. Serling, yeah. So it has like these really incredible things going on. It was directed by the guy who was tied into who literally drove RFK to the 60s was so bizarre. The same yes. uh Frankenheimer drove RFK to the Ambassador Hotel the night he was shot. So he was doing this. So and actually, I think the character they don't obviously emphasize it, but I think the main character, the president, is kind of a Pastiche. He represents John F. Kennedy. So he has mm-hmm. this kind of liberal, you know, let's be peaceful idea, follow the rules, constitution mentality. And then these other guys are like, you're destroying the country. We have to take radical action. Yeah. So seven days in May, people can check that out on my podcast. I highly recommend that. Watch the movie, maybe listen to that thing. And then I just had two guys on JFK Mark for Death. Really good book, Gary Fannin and Tim Brennan. And just they could just go through different parts of the story that maybe not some people are emphasizing, like the media was involved in the cover up. There's all kinds of like guys from the legacy media who were clearly lying and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, c- keeping the story of the one, you know, the single bullet theory and the one shooter theory. So that's really kind of the incredible element of the JFK assassination is that it clearly was some kind of operation where. All kinds of elements had to be involved. So the military, the legal system, the media mm-hmm. uh, to uh, ensure even, that. Um, even Robert F. Kennedy himself, to some degree, was part of it. He was around. I mean, he I think like they really got him out of power, like the killing of his brother. He was actually kind of dethroned. Yeah, from, I think that the Kennedys were really out of their depth. I think mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, they were very young. I think Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy, was naive. He was very, uh, died at forty-three or forty-four, so he, I don't think he was seasoned enough to right, make the right decisions and see the kind of people he was around with. Like he was swimming in very deep waters. And, yeah. Uh, Do you feel like hearing it from so many different angles, it kind of run, runs along the same course, or do you feel like it's very different in certain aspects? It's a good question. I think that. It gives you, when you see the different angles, because people emphasize different things in their writing, whatever they prefer, whether whether they're concentrating on RFK, Dulles, the mob. So you see those angles, but I think you can see the broader uh, tapestry of everything that was happening. There's so much going on culturally, politically, uh, that it's kind of, you know, fuzzier picture becomes clear. Like, Maybe when I was younger, I was like, oh, I, you know, some people are questioning this now. To me, it's obvious that Oswald was a patsy. Like, that's a cl- clear as day to me, 100% that he yeah. was set up. And it's just like he said. 
and that there were huge forces that really wanted Kennedy out for a wide variety of reasons. But I think reading through it all kind of uh, shows that there's a lot going on because these people are writing books. And they're not emulating each other. Right. So one guy's right. talking about Dulles, one guy's Angleton, one guy's focusing on Oswald. So uh, I like to kind of look at forensic evidence. That's kind of my thing and call it maybe something more feminine in me just likes forensic files, but it cannot be disputed because it is what it is. Forensic science is not an opinion. So I kind of like to take it from that angle as well. And I'm sure you've already heard all the ballistics and everything and the one bullet theory cannot possibly happen. Like that it just can't. That's not a real thing. Um but I have notes here and I wanted to get your thoughts on them because as everyone knows, the official cause of death was multiple gunshots. And the official verdict was President Kennedy was assassinated by a lone gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald, who fired three rifle shots from behind the motorcade from a window of the sixth floor of the book depository. What are your thoughts on this? If you don't think it's Lee Harvey Oswald, do you think that even any bullets came from the book depository? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think that he fired any shots. I think that he was set up and brought in to be a patsy for one reason or another. He was under the aegis of the federal government all the way back when he was in Japan. He worked on this. Uh, he was at Atsugi Air Force and people were watching him. There are notes. And he was in, like, there were CIA agents around him all the time. There were different guys leading up to Angleton, who really was a bigwig. But uh, uh, so I think that he probably didn't shoot it. He was angled into that job by this woman, Payne. Like, and then the, the rifle, like, crucial evidence shows up at her house. If you see, remember the famous picture of him holding that rifle, which people think is a fraud and forgery, which I do too. It showed up at her house in Irving, Texas, which you can still go to. It's actually preserved as a Ooh. historical monument. But uh, yeah, so the forensic thing, the three bullets, I think there were probably two or three shooting teams, uh, if not more, with a, you know, guys who knew how to shoot uh, mm -hmm. rifles. And the shot come, came from the front. So I think that, like, if you see the JFK movie, where it says front and to the back. That's really what happened. That was probably a kill shot. But if you see the first shot comes from behind and goes through, and you can see Kennedy grabbing for his neck. That's the first right. shot. So it comes from behind, which indicates more than one shooter. So that kind of, I mean, you can watch that on the Zapruder film. I think it's pretty clear that it's not coming from back. And if, if, if it was Oswald, who they say was a lousy shot too, he was a Marine, but like there's a these strange turns that the motorcade makes through Dealey Plaza. So it takes a right-hand turn. I forgot the street, but it's headed right for the school book depository. So if he was really at the sixth floor, he had kind of a turkey shoot. He was just mm -hmm. looking at it come right at him. He could have just popped a couple rounds if you really wanted him dead. Instead, he like waits for it to pass and does Almost the most to complex the shot. underpass. Yeah. So it's a How really hard shot going away. He's shooting through a tree. Mm -hmm. uh, there's supposedly like some tree branches there, which they cut down. So that that story, uh, I don't believe that forensic story. And the magic bullet theory was by Senator oh, Specter, Arlen Specter, right? So it goes through and zips through and goes through the arm of 
three different people and it's just so preposterous and Um, i think that the bullet that they found if you remember it was on the stretcher it was untainted so bullets when they hit bone they shatter come apart there's evidence there you want to talk about forensic evidence that's what how they can determine like how people died like it went through the rib or whatever Mm -hmm. so i actually think they probably triangulated on him maybe back and from both sides in the front i agree i've heard of the daltech building so the school depository was there but then there was a daltech building which was kind of at the corner yep. where he turned there was supposedly a kill team there mm-hmm. and then it was at the grassy knoll which is probably the big shot and then there was probably some other guys over the actual he was going through the tunnel right so he was headed uh-huh. out to the freeway there were probably mm-hmm. guys there and there were all kinds of like witnesses who came forward but the the uh commission the warrant commission it excised all that information like it was totally controlled so which is very interesting because um i want to bring up something else and get your thoughts on that after he got to the hospital every hospitalist and nurse testified and I, let's see, testified with vi- vivid recollection and certainty that he had a gaping large exit wound at the right rear of the head. So I have in my notes here that it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven doctors one nurse an fbi agent a radiographer um and then two people who attended the autopsy all testified with vivid memory and certainty that he had a gaping wound to the right rear of his head but somehow those photos have been changed over time your thoughts yeah, absolutely. So there was evidentiary control. So somebody who knew forensics was creating evidence around the whole event after mm-hmm. uh, the 22nd. So there was all kinds of stories about how Secret Service service agents were in control of the body. The body was maybe switched. I have to kind of remember that, but switched in transit or tampered with. And there was a kind of an infamous story of one of Kennedy's real enemies, uh, who was a general, was sitting in there making sure that these guys did the right thing. So there was definitely intimidation of a lot of these kind of uh, civilian type people. A lot of people died after uh, November 22nd. Mm-hmm. There was definitely kind of a, I can't remember the name of the book, but there was like 60 or 70 deaths of anybody who saw something that went against the story of Oswald being the single shooter, uh, mysterious deaths, police officers. There's a really good documentary uh, called The Men Who Killed Kennedy, totally suppressed in the U.S. You can't even find it. You can find it online, but it was wow. done. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't heard of it. Yeah, no, it's really good. <laughs> it was done by a guy in Europe, I think in Ireland, and he did it, and he had all kinds of great interviews, and then he mysteriously disappeared, went back to Europe, and he never oh, made another wow. movie again. Yeah, but The Men Who Killed Kennedy goes into detail, a lot of this uh, crazy stuff, but uh, I think that Kennedy, like I said, I think it was a shooting gallery when the story is also his motorcade or his car immediately after the shooting LBJ made sure that the whole thing was cleaned up and totally either destroyed or something like they didn't want to keep that as evidence because there were multiple bullets 
and things that like that. That is true. So, he had it destroyed immediately yeah. following the assassination. You and would he was think the, what, that that would be like the least of your concerns. Right. He was covering up everything from the very beginning and making sure the right people were on the Warren Commission, intimidating people, getting the right people on there. So he was really involved in the cover up all the way to the very last point about point where he was a lot uh, in power. Like I think they mm-hmm. kicked him out in 68, but he made sure that one is his sidekick Valenti, who some people think was involved in the shooting, went to Hollywood and became kind of the head of the MPAA. So they're controlling content and, and uh, making sure nobody says anything contradictory or any other movies get out. So Mm-hmm. It was it's just an incredible time. It's unbelievable, what, like what Johnson was up to. Yeah, he actually is one of the most secret but yet notorious mass murderers of all time. He really is. He's a true psychopath. He yeah, and messy murders, like yeah. murdered by suicide, uh someone being shot maybe six times, but then ruling deaths a suicide, stuff like that. That's Lyndon B. And his little accomplice, what was his name? Mac Wallace. Mac Wallace, yeah, it was his hit. Yeah, name. who and there was a rumor got that he was scot free. Yeah, right. <laughs> just just right. walked right out of the courtroom. By the way, hey, the Texas back then, like Johnson, was part of a different form of the Texas, the frontier Texas. He was in a, outside of a small town outside of Austin, if I remember. So that front Texas was very rough, part of the South. A lot of slaves, actually, like a third of Texas mm-hmm. was slaves, massive wars against Native Americans, the Apaches, like really hardcore, the Rangers. And Johnson was part of that. That's what he came out of was this kind of frontier mentality. So I think it was just part of his. He's huge. He's six four. And uh, you can just see him towering over people. He used to use his like physicality over his underlings and get over three. They used to call it the Johnson method. He would get close. And then lean down on them and poke poke them in his, you know, their fingers like he would do that to all these people. But uh, and like we it gets more and more graphic. So Johnson was a killer, corrupt, um, probably involved in MLK as well. He was friends with I believe so. Uh, Hoover. So Hoover mm-hmm. lived down the street from him. A lot of people don't know that fact. Um, but that's Philip Nelson's book, which was Who Really Killed Martin Luther King Jr., the case against Lyndon Baines Johnson and J. Edgar Hoover. But, What's uh, interesting, since you brought up Hoover, um, something that happened just a few short months before President Kennedy was Marilyn Monroe, which Hoover had a little something to do with as well. And so uh, did the Kennedys. Nobody ever makes the connection between Monroe and Kennedy. And then it's, it's to me, definitely linked. I think it is, too. There's another good book called Bombshell. Uh, Douglas wrote it. Came out last year. It's an international bestseller, which basically lays I need to pick it up. The death of Marilyn Monroe with RFK, RFK, JFK, and RFK. There's kind of like this view of the Kennedys, like the Camelot view, which I think is true. They're kind of young, vibrant guys, but their family. There's like some um, treatment of women was very. Uh, cursory like mm-hmm. there's uh, something that dad was like a total womanizer and right. uh, kind of a scoundrel too involved in the mob and had a lot of mob connections and they they're winning that election in 1960 i think it's a known fact that votes came in from chicago and from west virginia that turned everything to their benefit so 
it's not like they were her uh, the golden boys who won uh, out of the you know the, out of a real vote. So there was you know, right uh, vote fraud, and Johnson too was a total vote fraudster. Like he was so corrupt, he would like stuff ballot boxes all the time. So <laughs> right. there is a dark side to Camelot, and Marilyn Monroe was it. And people have tied JFK to a quick trip to L.A. And I think that there was a story that there was an ultimatum made and uh, to her and she rejected it. And that led to her death. And I do have um, some info that I had dug up that actually RFK was in town the morning of as well. So it was just weird. People saw him at her house and then it was maybe six or seven hours later, she's pronounced dead upon arrival. So a lot of stuff going on there, but. And he was, that it was a secret thing. That's the whole thing is that yes, he wasn't was supposed to be there. So mm-hmm. that's also kind of telling. And she died off of San Vicente, kind of in a nice part of LA, the Brentwood. Yeah, I. Okay, your thoughts. I kind of think that she was working with intelligence to probe for information kind of like the the monarch sex kitten-esque type of program i wouldn't be surprised at all she had a very interesting background too her mom was like not mentally well and Mm -hmm. so she had that she had that kind of like i mean now they call it the Marilyn monroe archetype but right she was an interesting person she was much brighter and more clever than people give her credit for could from her kind of mm-hmm. like she had to portray herself a certain yeah, way but i yeah. think she was actually pretty intelligent yeah i think she was she was always like reading books and stuff she was mm-hmm. much more interesting she knew how to kind of play it up to that was the era you know the way yes we're not the way they are now but uh yeah it's a tragedy that she died and she got mixed up with a lot she was mixed up with a lot she of was tough mixed people up with mobsters yeah uh i think the last like month she was Together, she was with uh, Sinatra, who was totally mobbed up. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Sam now. G and Kana, all these weirdos. It was the, yeah, it was the Lawford, I think was his name, which was kind of this go between, between. He was a known actor at the time, but he Peter was the Lawford. Go, Peter Lawford, good. Yeah. Between the Kennedys and the mob. And so she. Mm-hmm. And actually, his home, his Santa Monica beach house, was tapped. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm that's telling right. you, I'm telling you, William, it all makes sense. And I think she I was actually, tapped too, right? Wasn't she tapped? Yeah, I think yes, they all she tapped. Was, but they they mysteriously disappeared along with her right. autopsy report. Right. <laughs> and I think that the 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 police here was much different than what the police in LA where I'm at were much different back then than they are now. So they had an intelligence team. Mm-hmm. and they were politicized but they're much more conservative back then i don't think they are anymore but uh, sensibilities are a lot different than that that's uh who was the author the of that first show? police officer i don't know if he was a police chief or not but the first police officer who responded to the 911 call for marilyn monroe has tried with every last breath to convince people that it was not a suicide and he has been silenced over and wow. over. Oh, his name was Sergeant Jack Clemens. It just popped into my mind. Yep. And he so I interviewed a thousand times. Jack Clemens. I'll check it out. I interviewed Mike Rothmiller and Douglas Thompson. Uh, Douglas Thompson on a different book. It was the Perfumo Affair. 
but the book Bombshell the Night Bobby Kennedy Killed Marilyn Monroe. And oh Rothmiller was Rothmiller was part of that intelligence unit within the LAPD. Wow. But I didn't have that part of my JFK like list I'm putting into it now because it really is part of it. It really is. It plays a huge thing to do with it. And her showing up to his birthday party and singing happy birthday. It was right. very it wasn't very tasteful. And people started getting annoyed with their relationship and how public it was becoming as well. So I think they were trying to clean up some of his sloppy, you know, mistakes he was making. He was making a lot of mistakes. Kennedy was a rake and a womanizer, just like his dad. And he was involved with really crazy people, like things that you wouldn't believe. Like he was in, I mean, it's not funny. He was involved with Judith Exner, who was also dating, I think, Giancana. And then he was also involved with Mary, oh, what's her name? It was a CIA agent's ex-wife, who then turns up dead in the I know who you're talking about. Uh, Yep, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of a lot of names to remember. But yeah, so he was mixed up with them and doing, and apparently that's the connection between her and Kennedy and Leary is Leary was good to Dennis Leary. Oh, sorry. Le- Timothy Leary was good friends with her, giving her acid, rumored to giving it to Kennedy while he was a president. You ever hear that one? So it's scandalous. Super scandalous. Yeah. But and her, it- this woman, I think there was a there was a book about her that by her son. Um like a biography of yeah, her. a biography about her. And when she died. This CIA agent, again, James Jesus Angleton, shows up at her house and takes away her diary. So he's controlling (laughs) Oswald and this other woman's diary, which is probably scandalous, which talked about JFK. You know, it's funny. They took away Marilyn Monroe's diary as well. I believe it. Yeah. So that's the the information cover up, right? Yes. She kept it in a locked cabinet. And it was forcibly broken into, and it was stolen and never recovered. So it goes right along. And that's in, in, yeah, invaluable, right? Like that's that's like absolutely. Priceless. The thing is, is the assassination is like the pinnacle moment for all of these other side tie tirades yes, that are yes. going on. Yeah, and, and this woman, this woman, just a, like another story. But she died in the canals, a suspicious death in the canals by a black guy who got framed for, for it, like some kind of mentally ill black guy. But it probably yeah. most definitely was not him. Yeah, it's, oh God, I wish I could remember her name. Pinch, Mary Pincho Meyer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Mary. And her husband was Cord Meyer, who was like a huge big wig, big wig in the CIA. Like he ran Operation Mockingbird. October 12th, 1964, Mary Pincho Meyer, Washington, D.C. socialite and painter, was shot and killed in broad daylight on the CNO Canal towpath in Georgetown. A 25-year-old African-American man named Ray Crump was arrested for her murder, but no compelling evidence ever surfaced to support his conviction, and he was acquitted at trial. She died literally like a year and a month. No, so less than a year, right? You said October of 64? Yeah, so a little less than a year, yeah. Little less than a year after JFK. Yeah, so it's just another one of those lists of those people who all died around the death of JFK. 
I have to tell you, I found this Dallas police radio transmission from November 22nd, 1963 at 12.30 p.m. Um, And I wanted to get your thoughts on it because it says Chief Curry stated, get a man on top of that triple underpass and see what happened up there. There was no thought in anyone's mind that something came from the book depository. It was all from the front. And then Chief Curry later acknowledged that we don't have any proof that Oswald fired the rifle and never did. Nobody's yet been able to put him in the building with a gun in his hand. So when you're on a radio transmission, why would you be thinking let's start the cover-up. You wouldn't. You'd be acting just out of instinct. So they're talking about the triple underpass, which, again, I think that there were several nests of shooters. Grassy Knoll, underpass, maybe some, maybe one or possibly two from behind. But the kill shot came from the front. I agree. Yeah, I think that if you go back and look at some of those, the video, you can see everybody moving towards the grassy knoll, like a whole crowd, like 30 or 40 people, like in a herd, are moving there because that's where they heard it. So they're trying to figure it out and it's all covered up. So do you uh, think that the Zapruder film has been altered in any way? Yeah, I think they tampered with it. They were in control of it. So Zapruder was then bought by Time Magazine, which was run by the Loose family. That's a whole other story of very interesting people. But the, one of them is Skull and Bones, Yale Skull and Bones. Oh, forget it. Yeah. It's yeah, so it's probably not even I did hear someone say that they think this is a Pruder film in its entirety is actually just a- actors. What do you think about that? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't think so. Because it really I think there are parts of the Zapruder film that you can see Kennedy react and his wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still know those shots. It just wasn't made public. People right. weren't allowed to see it until like 10 years later or something like that. Like it was covered up and now it's kind of, people are able to look at it, but uh, I think it was legit. It was just tampered with and, and kept out of the public eye. Do you think the version that we see that you can look up on YouTube has been altered at all, especially yeah, yeah. now that there's such easy access to video editing? I think so. I think they were tampering with it from the beginning. Like they probably owned it. And then let's put out this little piece. We'll take out some, damning things or Mm -hmm. if anybody was in the background he was an asset Mm -hmm. so like there was supposedly a guy on the site to you know with an umbrella he's called umbrella man like why are you holding an umbrella it's a beautiful day like why what are you doing like it doesn't make sense unless he's trying to signal people to you know where this is the go this is the go sign look for the yeah Ooh, that's a good analysis i wouldn't have thought of that that's interesting yeah, there's a lot of really strange stuff. I mean, there you can do a whole show on the weird thing. I mean, there's speculation, nobody knows, but like Tippett was supposedly, I've talked to one guy, Tippett, who was killed, the cop, he was the one who was supposed to go be the guy to run into the school book depository and kill Oswald. So that was his role as a cop mm. to be the hero. So they had him, and he was a kind of a corrupt cop. He was known to hang out with Ruby at some of these carousel clubs and stuff like that. So what? they think that, yeah, so this is speculation. So when he didn't do that, when he bungled it, that's why somebody went and killed him. Is that he didn't fulfill his role to be the hero cop. Because he screwed up. Yeah. 
Wow. He, or he got cold feet or something like that. He knew it. And so people that you, you blew it. So that's why Tippett was greased. Like he couldn't be trusted. Uh, right. Right. Like he couldn't fulfill his He didn't his follow through. Right. Dang. Uh, yeah. Ruby did. Jack Rubenstein definitely did. He was, he was probably uh, trying to find that moment to kill um, Oswald and really clean everything up. You know, I have found a little information that actually Jack Ruby somehow knew Oswald already and they had been hanging out in Louisiana beforehand. That Is that right? I've heard that too. I mean, okay. Ruby was part of the mob. He had an association with the Chicago mob and was traveling around. He was a gun runner and he might have been involved in running guns for the whole Cuba operation. So he would go to uh, New Orleans is really an interesting part of the whole story because that's where Oswald was from. That's where Oswald was before he went to Dallas. He was literally there a month before the Mm -hmm. killing. Um, And then Marcello was there so that he had a beef with RFK. And that's where the handler for these guys was. Like there's a famous Fair Play for Cuba episode where Oswald's handing out papers and he's being managed by an FBI agent. It's kind of the intro of the FBI, of the JFK movie. And then it's obviously where the really only trial that took place was the Garrison trial, who was the DA at the time, trying to get to the bottom of it and knew all these Clay Shaw, who was super interesting. And mm-hmm. David Ferry, <laughs> David Ferry, who was totally bald and part of the same thing that Oswald is involved in this uh U-2 spy plane. That actually surmised the reason why he had alopecia is because he was doing too high of a flight with the improper pressurization in these planes and his hair fell off. So that's why he looks so funny and strange. He's played by Joe Pesci in JFK. So yeah, so so Ruby being in there, there's some researchers who may, may know that Ruby's atten- uh, knowledge of Oswald, but Oswald, Ferry knew Oswald for sure. Like, there's no question. David Ferry mm-hmm. knew Oswald when he was 15. So Oswald has this really incredible life for like a kid who's died, a kid whose dad died young and went in the Marines. He was like, he's in the strangest place. I imagine like a kid with no money defects to the USSR, stays there for two and a half years and comes back, and then nobody does anything, right? Like, they don't censure him. He doesn't go to jail. This is the height of the Cold War. Mm. Like, it's so strange. Like, you should have gone to jail. Like, treason or communicating with the enemy. It's almost like they they kind of were helping him all along, and maybe for more nefarious reasons such as this. He was expendable to some degree, but they needed someone like him for this job, quote unquote. There's a lot of really good stories, but I think that he was from a when he was he was in some private school in either New Jersey or New York. And I think from that moment, he was there's somebody in the intel community had a file on him, believe it or not, from when he was 14 or 15 to when he was dead. Wow. yeah, he was being oper. He was something was going on with him. He was they, part of a program, I'm assuming. It's top secret. So, like, we have information you can kind of make deduce stuff from basic facts, but there's stuff that we'll probably never see. It's already been burned, and it was in the CIA. But the CIA, there was a guy who was handling him. He was best friends with Johnny Rosselli from the mob. He's a literal like CIA agent. I can't remember his name offhand. He was a drunk. There's a really. I mean, I wonder if I can find this uh, interview with him, his wife. 
But anyway, uh, he was handling he before James Jesus Angleton. This guy was handling uh, the file on Oswald while he was in Russia. So it's like this wow. guy was. Yeah, people were people knew Oswald. It's unbelievable. You know, this is stuff that only kind of came out way later about what Oswald. But there were other kind of weird patsy things too. Or there's some Oswald-like figure in Chicago was doing weird stuff because they were trying to get Kennedy in Miami, then in Chicago, and then in, ended up in Texas. So there was like a weird Patsy. I forgot the guy's name. There was another kind of Oswald-like Patsy who it seems like they were trying to make as like a revolutionary, right? Because that's Oswald mm. was supposedly a communist sympathizer, right? And the rest is history because I think. With the discovery that there were actually two, I guess, Oswalds, we start to think maybe this is a, just a code name. What do you think? It's a, I mean, it, it would be very strange. The pro, It would be incredible, like, if that was that big. But there's no, like, when this woman, Payne, who was in Irving, Texas, she was with Oswald his Russian wife, which is also strange. Like he left Russia with a wife and kids, mm -hmm. but he was with there with his mom. So I think that's proven that that's his biological mom. So whether, I mean, you would get into the highest of the highest strangeness. If everything was just totally fake, like they just, somebody like his mom was bred or something like you're into like <laughs> kind of strange things. So you can actually see it on like uh, on the, on her book, like uh, Ruth Payne's book, there's a picture of her with uh, Marina, Harvey, and Ms. his mother. So I don't know. I, I think that they had multiple. There was a guy who went to rent a car who said he was Oswald. He wasn't. So they were clearly trying to, you know. Maybe just throw us off. Yeah, throw people off. fodder for the. Create, yeah. They did the same stuff for 9-11. These guys who were like mm -hmm. down to be CIA agents, they would show up somewhere. We want to buy three trucks or I want to rent this uh, uh, plane two weeks, you know, no questions mm -hmm. asked cash. So they're creating this kind of I see what you mean. story. Yeah. That creating a background story. makes sense. And that's me. been proven, proven recently is that two of the guys were associated, two of the guys supposedly involved in the 9-11 events were CIA agents. And it makes it this. So this is the same kind of uh, yeah. techniques that the Intel is using. So I have one more thing that I wanted to kind of run by you that I've been um, researching a little bit, and that's that there was actually nine shots, and I can kind of go over briefly what where each of them landed. The first shot missed hitting the street behind president kennedy's limousine creating sparks so there we have the first shot they missed entirely they overshot it and they hit the road second shot hit president kennedy in the throat from the front is what these are just my notes from from a book i read but the third shot hits at street level then ricochets wounding a bystander named james taug and he actually yeah. had a uh something with his cheek Right, like it bounced off, glanced off the street. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one, yeah. Then shot number four hits Governor Connolly in the back, traveling through his chest. And then shot number five hits President Kennedy in his back, 
four inches below the nape of his neck and right into his spine. Shot number six shatters Governor Connolly's right wrist, traveling through and through, and then enters his thigh. Shot number seven strikes the windshield of the limousine, traversing through and through, and there's a bullet hole that was observed. And then shot number eight hits President Kennedy in the back of his head uh, from the rear, and this shot was only milliseconds prior to the final death shot, which was um, from the front entering at his right temple, causing a massive blow back exit from the right rear of his skull. So in total, they find nine bullets. And so I guess their point in this was to completely disprove that Oswald could have been a lone shooter. Coming from the front, coming from the back, coming from the sides. There's no way that he acted alone. What are your thoughts there? I totally agree with that. He didn't act alone. I wouldn't be surprised those were just the nine bullets that they traced. I think it was the shooting gallery. I think they probably... I did too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think they shot at him 15 times. I don't even know. But it was uh, way more than three. I mean, there's bullets yeah. glancing around. There was a bullet hole in the windshield, if I remember. That wasn't mm-hmm. accounted for. Maybe you mentioned that. But there was, like, all kinds of stuff. And it's just all covered up. So I think uh, it's kind of actually a very interesting technique because I think they've created this fake uh, fable, right? Mm-hmm. But then they've enforced the fable. So you're going to say this, and if you don't, then you're in trouble. So I think that they know the the people behind it are like, we're just going to tell them this. We're going to change the history books. And if anybody disputes it, you're going to, you know, lose your job or, you know, it'll go up in grades of problems. And then at the end, if you don't shut up, you know, it's it's over. Have you heard like they wanted to call it off that day? But it was too late. Something to that effect. I think that they they show there was interesting stories. There was a guy who was an FBI agent in uh, this is a true story. He was in Texas and he walked into either a post office or a cop's place and shot his gun off and got arrested. And he wanted to get arrested because he didn't want to be involved in the killing. So he knew it was going to happen. I forgot his name. This is a true. Yeah. Go check out JFK Files. Actually, you know, in 10 minutes, they're talking to, like I told you, Talbot. But uh, JFK Files has some of these weird stories, but that's one of them. There's another one that starts off in the JFK movie with this uh, Rose Laramie or something. She was a lady of the night, and they threw her out of her car. And she's like, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. She's saying it. So she knew, and she died suspiciously, too. So I think the engine was definitely rolling, and... Uh, it was a go. Like he, people hated JFK. He was at that time in the American history. After all the stuff that had happened, Cuban pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. People just thought he was like a traitor and uh, not inter- You know, not interested in saving the government and and a left wing sympathizer too. I think that they saw him not going with the program of like, uh, you know, and he was sloppy. And they just were not having it. They weren't having it, yeah. He wasn't in good health. He would, There was this guy, Dr. Feelgood, who was around giving him shots 
cortisol speed shots. Wow. Like, yeah, that was all covered up. He had Addison's disease, which is kind of like, a, yeah, that's a known fact. So he, and he had back problems. He wore a girdle, wore a girdle like a woman. You can see oh, him standing wow. kind of funny. Yeah. God bless him. Well, yeah, I so mean, he was in great shape. I mean, he was in the war. Just, I don't know. if he... Well, and I think the thing is, it's just people kind of actually see him as a celebrity more than a president that he was good looking and maybe they equate it to james dean dying in the car crash not as much like the president of the united states was assassinated he was uh, a favorite among maybe younger people but not so much with the political groups agreed i agree with that 100 percent I think they had a good PR knew? Jackie knew that they got shot, that he got shot? No, do you think Jackie knew he was going to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't because know. Because she, she might was kind of fed up with his crap, too. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah. I think they knew. she knew that it, there was a, I mean, that's the whole thing about the Kennedys is there was a really good facade, but there's all kinds of creepy stuff going on in the background with those two. Mm-hmm. And, uh. I think a lot of people might have known. He might have sensed it. If you read, I think it's uh, JFK and the Unspeakable, JFK had kind of a death wish. He had like these poems that he would read that like early Mm. death. So maybe he kind of saw himself as kind of a tragic figure, like because he was so sick all the time. He was not a super healthy guy. Uh, So maybe he saw himself as kind of like a scapegoat or an expiation for this war machine that the U.S. was on. And when he died, the engine just started right back up like when people talk about uh, vietnam like oh man we lost 50 it's a tragedy Fifty thousand american men died but it's also how people's i think have a shallow analysis of what happened in vietnam because it wasn't fifty thousand people died it's just like they do it for what happened in iraq people came back committed suicide killed their families killed themselves uh did crazy stuff because they were mentally ill and 2 million people, if not more, in that whole Southeast Asia were murdered by the U.S. war machine. And that's thanks why those all to of... Jim Morrison's dad. Right. Well, <laughs> thanks to Jim. Who, who engineered that? Oh, who was the president? LBJ, right? So LBJ. Oh, my over... goodness. You're right. Of course. He's over all that stuff. He's over the uh, the boat situation. The Tonkin Gulf Tonk- incident. Tonkin Gulf, but also the other one that nobody ever talks about. In the Middle East, he's all over that. Uh, wow, what a tie so. back into yeah, no, the world. Can he's involved. Yeah. Look at him; he's involved in uh, MLK. Well, his brother MLK's brother died suspiciously. Uh, MLK, Gulf of Tonkin. What's that boat that went down? So I, I I I'm not sure exactly. Uh, it was a huge scandal because they the Israelis like bombed a boat as a false flag. Of course. I haven't heard that Israeli. He was, uh, Johnson was very much involved in that. Of course he was. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised I can't remember this. But this is actually a lost piece of hist- American history. Uh, USS Liberty. Look up the USS Liberty. So would you say that LBJ was just biding his time until he could take over? My understanding, I've talked to Nelson, is that LBJ always wanted to be president for the mm-hmm. coarsest reasons, like he was just a power. And his biographer, Robert Caro, who I can't really recommend because Caro glosses over some of the darker as- the darkest aspects I'm of sure. Johnson, who went totally insane at the end. It was like Macbeth. 
where all of his crimes came back to him and he went mentally ill. Wow. They spent a million dollars on shrinks on, on the former president. That's why because he left. he was full of demons. All probably. the demons, all of his, all of his sins and probably the ghosts of all the people he killed and the millions of stuff came back to haunt him. Mm -hmm. uh, karma, karma in a big, bad way. But, uh, Johnson always wanted to be president, so I think that's really was hit. It was hit. Oh, I was going to say, is Caro likened Johnson's quest for power to a salmon's quest to go back up a river to spawn? Wow. Like it was an intent. It was like a. It was like like a part of his being. Like it's so weird. Mm -hmm. So and like he said, like when he was on the Air Force seven forty seven, he got up on like the throne chair that was in there and kept telling people, "I am a king." I'm thinking it's so unpresidential. All the stuff he did, like he wow. got there. He would go to the bathroom with people and have like full-on cabinet meetings while he was uh going to the bathroom, sitting down. Oh my god. Have you heard that story? Have you heard the story where he he um exposed himself to all these people in <laughs> have you heard that story? To the what? to the entire press corps, yeah. So he was in like this is a true story. He was in a like a thing and he said, This is do you know why we're in Vietnam? This is why we're in Vietnam. And he pulled out his John Johnson pulled out his Johnson and showed it to people. And they're like, Oh, we gotta wow. get uh, LBJ out of here. Let's get LBJ, you guys, the press club, go back here. That's how crazy he was. Oh my gosh. So he was no, that's a, a true little story. bit worse than than Biden. Uh <laughs> You know, he had a massive kill rate. Like he was just, just off the charts and he always was on the bribes and just like scheming. Mm -hmm. It was just in his whole and like super racist. Oh, like, imagine like definitely. you get black people. Joe, you will always be an end. You'll never mm -hmm. change. And then like the whole thing, like the it was the Civil Rights Act or something like we will drive these ends back, you know, two generations. You know, they'll never have any. Right. He was like his. Just like, mm -hmm. oh, just, you know, so like on the surface, like, oh, he's doing these great pieces of legislation, but with the worst intent. So yes. you go back there, you get the real picture of Johnson. It is ugly, like sister dying, uh, sex with his grandma. That's oh. in, that's in the files of Kinsey's files was that there was some kind of weird relationship with his grandmother. Like, so there is a book specifically dedicated to his life and like I would, links into everything i would read nelson nelson told me that story i think it's in the nelson book lbj okay. it's LBJ called it's just called mastermind of the colossus yeah lbj okay. from the mastermind of the colossus and then he did another one i think it was called lbj master of deception so mm -hmm. i mean it's and really crazy like it's a, it's a yeah but it's a very important part of american history this is just this is how crazy power can get. Like it's been that way in the past. If you look at Rome and Nero and some of these other emperors, like um, was it uh, little boot? What was his name? What was the guy's name? Who was like, made his horse a, a Senator. Like sometimes these things do happen. Like that's why <laughs> well, you're supposed I to have I was a thinking boat. of like Nebuchadnezzar. Caligula. Caligula. And Caligula who was, um, Julius Caesar, Augustus, Germanicus, whatever Caligula. Right. So right. I think yeah, he was Germanicus's point, son, and he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever I want. And they finally had enough of him and often, but he was out of his mind. 
Like yes, he, was just he, doing he would like erase uh, statues' faces and replace them with his own face. And um, I do see oh. that Johnson has those psychopathic characteristics, though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was he was making money from this whole operation in Vietnam. Brown and Root was located in Texas. They made all the, uh, you know, helicopters and stuff like that. So he was getting a little dipping his but beak like a mobster. Wasn't he like over. involved with some kind of swindling, like a cotton field that didn't exist yes. or something like that? Do you know the details on that? Because I just briefly remember looking into it. I vaguely remember he had like all these, he kind of had a mob really kind of like a Dixie mm-hmm. mob. He got all these people around him and ran stuff and they were doing something with the government cotton allotments where they were scamming the government out of something. And that's right, what he like cotton, cotton that didn't exist actually. Yeah. I don't know yeah. the details. I wish I could remember the details, but I think that was 62 and he was worried that that was going to ruin his political career. So he was, he was probably willing to do whatever he needed oh, to do. Oh, that's when he murdered that one guy because he was going to tattletale and mm-hmm. say what he was up to. And then mysteriously he got, uh, caught a bullet to the back of the head or something like that. Yeah, like he like shot himself with a rifle and then did something on a, over and like over a, and over again. Yeah. Like yeah. three or four times. Those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then there was actually a Clinton connection to, uh, that was the first political career that, uh, uh, Bill Clinton worked on in his political career was LBJ's back in '64. Really? <laughs> so he might have learned a few things from uh, the real politics of Johnson. Mm-hmm. Southerner, yeah, Arkansas ain't that far away from Texas. So, so anyway, that's an interesting. Connection. I mean, there's probably even more. It, it's like multi-layered. There's, you know, stuff that we would see as, oh, well, he was corrupt and he was da 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 But there's always, like, another layer underneath that, especially when you're bringing up the Clintons, because I just did some research on this Vincent guy that turned up dead. Um, he, like, died on his lunch break or something that was involved with the Clintons, and, like, he went to, like, preschool with Bill Clinton. Oh, it was wow. really weird. Uh, Vincent Foster or something oh, like Vince that? Oh, Vince Foster. Vince Foster. Yes. So yeah. there's always, like, another layer that's even more hidden and more, um, right. I don't no, know. Vince Foster is a really, I mean, I was in D.C. when that happened. I worked briefly. On how that did, case. I how did they that, break yeah. the news on that? He went out and killed himself. Yeah, he went to to a lonely, deserted park and walked to the very back of the park and stood on a berm and shot himself. And then, but before he did, he rolled himself in a rug so that he had all kind of rug fibers all around his body just to like really confuse people. And nobody said he was suicidal. And he did it on his lunch break. Like, oh. Wow. I'm at work as the the White House counsel. Hmm. I guess I'll go. Was like 90? 93, 93, 93. I think I'll go commit okay. suicide. I think, you know, uh, Joan, can you order me a burger? <laughs> That's what happened. Like he literally ordered food or something like that and then got the compulsion to drive out to an old Civil War fort and kill himself. That's what, and like I've said before, like, remember, like I told you about how they created this fable and mm-hmm. enforced it? Vince Foster was the same thing. Did he commit suicide? Oh, yeah, sure, boss. Yeah, he did. He was totally depressed. And the people who went with that line, yeah. everything was good. So it's like a testing thing. And anybody who like went up against it, yeah, the story's fishy. Their careers got derailed. They weren't part of the internal team. Uh, or they died. 
They died. There's oh, man, it's, <clears throat> yeah. There's a really good book called <clears throat> "Partners in Power" by Roger Morris. If you really want to go into the really the real, Clinton's. you're gonna have to send me a list of these because okay. well, I'll send you my full list. So interested in this kind of stuff. I'll send you emails. You can talk to these guys. These guys. Are I want to. Yeah, I would no, love to great. do that. Yeah, sure. Anytime. Uh, but I'll send you a list of that. But uh, Morris worked for Kissinger. Kissinger just had his like hundred year party or whatever in New York. Do you ever see that? All that it looked yeah, like. He's... Yeah, he's like a. You want to talk about kind of a world controller? He's that. Yeah. <laughs> all these people showed up, and I forgot where it was in New York, but the entrance was all gold. And it looked like the entrance way into the ritual room from Eyes Wide Shut. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, of course. <laughs> all it these did. people are going in there. Yeah, all these big wigs and in, in so ritualistic. And the guy who owns all of the Dairy Queens. I always forget that guy's name. Oh, I don't remember. But uh Alex Jones talked about him one time and I'm not saying I co-sign everything Alex Jones was saying, but he said he owns all the Dairy Queens and he's super, super, super old, but he makes like all the financial decisions for someone. And it's like, how do these hundred year olds and they're, you know, they don't have Alzheimer's. They don't, they're not broken down on a thousand big pharma meds. They're just fine. Um, And again, it's by design. Right. No, they, yeah, they, they get, uh, can you see that? That's yeah. the entrance into, into Kissinger's under year. It's got the pillars, right? It's got the weird kind of like Boaz and Joshing mm-hmm. pillars, the red, you know, the red blood carpet, just like eyes wide shut. And then it's gold doorways. Oh my God. That's it. Don't you Eric wish Schmidt. you could just see, see down the hallway what exactly it is going on in there? I can imagine. This guy, he was a total Rockefeller lackey. That's how Kissinger kept his job. He was part of the Trilateral Commission, right? So he's he's like a intellectual underneath David and Nelson Rockefeller. So. What does this say? It says he wasn't in the mood for an interview with me from way down the red carpeted stairs. Yeah. So that's the former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, who wrote a book with Kissinger. And that guy's kind of a notorious... Uh, Sicko. Yeah, he's uh, got the kind of eyes wide shut mentality. Kind of <laughs> a, that's the word on the street. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, wow. Well. But so, uh, William, are you working on anything? Do you have anything new going on? I am. I'm actually rigorously finishing a new book, so I will be <gasps> out fairly soon. I'm going to finish it this month, I think. Can so. you give me some teasers? No, I'd ever tell anybody what I'm writing. So, but it'll be done. It's going to be good. It it's, uh, pertains to kind of stuff I've researched in the past, but I passed. But I think it's uh, there's some new stuff. People, I think people will be interested. But I have. I'm, I'm trying to get excited. rid of. I've got like three projects I'm trying to finish real fast. So I seem to be having the uh, the wherewithal and time to do it. But uh, I want to. Have you back on to talk about the book when Great. it comes Yeah, sure. Out. And I'll send you a list. I'll send you a list of all these books that have, I should just put it up, but I mean, all these books that have done interviews. So people also, if not just you, but if people are listening, want to listen to those interviews, you can just go to Podcast Addict, go to William Ramsey Investigates and type in some of these titles. Maybe I'll put them up on social media or you can I'll put mm-hmm. them in the show notes and then they can just listen to them. There's really interesting stories. Like some of the stuff is so weird around 
JFK, I did this one called Walking the Razor's Edge, where like two of the people, like George DeMornschild, who is Oswald's handler, is in a gay relationship with this other guy from, uh, he's from the, he's Danish, Altman's. And then Mornschild, Demornschild gets whacked. Yeah, War- Demornschild gets whacked. And then Altman's is in Altman's. It's O L T M A N S, is in JFK the movie. <laughs> it's it's oh. unbelievable. Like some of the stuff is truly unbelievable. Like you cannot like some of the stuff about J- just LBJ alone isn't believable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that that would be a good rabbit hole for someone who's just kind of starting out putting pieces together. LBJ is not talked about enough. And like I said earlier, the Marilyn Monroe connection with J. Edgar Hoover and the mobsters. Totally. There is a, a timeline there. Here's the other thing is that in all civilizations, not just the U.S., not just anything past World War II, there are court historians. There are these people are powerful enough or have grant access. You see that in the media in the United States. People who are granted access tell the narratives of the powerful people. And that's part of the either overt or under the table agreement is I'm giving you access to me and you're going to tell my side of the story. So these different stories like the JFK, there's like you said, uh, Marilyn Monroe, LBJ, there's the non-court kind of standard historians. That's the the real truth. So -hmm. people mislabel that as you're a conspiracy theorist, you're insane, but that's the that's the actual real history that even the criminals they don't want you to know their real history. LBJ right. doesn't want you to know his real history. You he wants to be seen as a master politician and a king and a, a great legislator. And you see that like people go, "Wow, LBJ got all this legislation passed," but they don't see him like intimidating people, threatening people, murdering people. people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's really kind of unsadly. That's just the nature of. Of civilizations, like if you even look at the Roman civilization, like the people were probably getting one side of the whole emperor's great, Julius Caesar's great, you know, mm-hmm. Caligula's great. But, you know, now we know the past has come on and the real histories of those guys, like Nero's just out of his mind. Like, well, yeah. Like- and I think that there, I was just talking to my cousin about this. It's like lying through omission. True. Yeah. And it's just like that, there's a lot of incentives for people not to tell the truth, too. Because at the time, nobody probably could tell this stuff about JFK because they would end up, mis- I mean, end up dead, right? So they couldn't talk mm-hmm. about L- LBJ either. So I right. think that there's a lot of factors involved. It's a lot easier for somebody right now to kind of put the pieces together than it was in the 60s. And there were guys, there was some guy who did, um, I found out there were two couple of guys who got really, one was a black Secret Service age, agent. His name was Abraham can't remember but like he wasn't going with the program and like he got thrown into the jail and they said he was crazy so they gave him the treatment and he was just it took him like 30 years to like get uh vindicated and there was another guy who came out who was from the europe who said hey this whole jfk assassination is fake and they got one after him too so it's not that much different than what's happening now where the information misinformation disinformation and, and control of information, right? You don't want all this stuff. The same thing happened with COVID. Like they really mm-hmm. dropped a hammer on people who were lying. Me too. I mean, I was gone, dude. I mean, I was, they stripped me off of YouTube so fast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that's just kind of, 
that's just the way it is these days. It's, and it's always kind of sadly been that way. I can only put certain episodes on YouTube. If I do a paranormal episode, cool, they're fine with that. If I do a healthy living episode, that's fine. But if I put a heavier episode like this or maybe even one more controversial or, or heavier, they will give me a strike. And I'm becoming kind of disillusioned with even having a YouTube channel to begin with. Me too. Like I kind of gave up. I don't want to be nanny. They're conditioning. Like they were conditioning me to like self-censor is really mm-hmm. it. So I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, so no, me I'm on Rockfin. Rockfin's been good to me. So is Spotify. I've, no, I've never had any censorship stuff. I don't even swear. And everything you can see <laughs> I, is like backed up. So I've uh, never heard up. you swear. there's one thing where i let an f-bomb drop oh my gosh really yes in uh, your seven thousand episodes there's one instance there's one i'm at 956 i'm hurtling towards the big millennium uh episodes so people look forward to that i'll tell my entire life story and say thanks and uh actually you know i'll put out I'll put out a uh, like a list of people can see all the interviews because some people don't know the interviews. The way that it comes out on iTunes, you only see five or ten interviews at a time. I know. So I that even that's that's why I recommend Podcast Addict because you can scroll down and see everything. Like I'm kind Actually, of actually Spotify is getting that way too, where you can see the whole list. You don't have to go show more and then go to 2021 or whatever mm-hmm. year it came out. Um, so. I actually have started kind of putting half episodes out and putting the rest of it on Patreon because I'm just tired of stuff getting removed. Well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I should and it's not that I don't want to put out the information for free, but it just doesn't make sense if they're going to remove the whole episode and then right. no one's going to get to hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that makes yeah. no sense. Right. No, it's weird. It's a weird state. These are, I think that really what people need to understand is the tech companies are doing the bidding of the government. Mm -hmm. So the government's engaged in unconstitutional actions and we need to get back to the Bill of Rights and our basic human rights and and reemphasize them uh, because once those are gone, we're gone. Like It's going to be a disaster for you or your kids or your family. Mm -hmm. So people really need, that's what people died and fought for. That's the real freedom, not the propaganda freedom. But the freedom that's enshrined yes. in the Bill of Rights. So let's get back to it. And everybody can come together. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives can all come together under the banner of the Bill of Rights and make sure that they persist for this generation and generations. So we got to fight for those back because the, the Biden administration stole it, stole it from me. Like mm-hmm. I lost so much information. I don't even know. Like I can't even get into my own account. It's have so crazy. they removed a lot of your episodes too? Yeah, I had an old one. Like I went through kind of iterations. Like I did a cult 9-11 and then I had a cult investigations. And that whole that whole thing is gone. Like I don't they YouTube took it. Like so like yeah. I was doing like little lame and it I tell other people like it would just showed my progress as a researcher. So all that kind of history where people could go through and see what I was looking at 2016, 2017, 2018 is gone. Like so it is a book burning. It is a new form of book burning that Google's involved with. So I hope people sue them out of existence because they deserve it. <laughs> Me too. They do. They have a lot of money. It. Yeah. Get some lawyers out here. Come on. Let's go. These guys are engaged in unconstitutional behavior. 
I'll go back randomly and look because I'll tell someone I already did that. I already made an episode for that. And it's I'll say it's after the Wizard of Oz one, for example. Just look at the one under that. And they'll go, "Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing it. And then I check it myself and it's gone, William. It's gone. And I'll never get it back because I maybe I recorded it on my other laptop and it's fried or whatever the case may be. But it's gone forever. And um, unless I want to re-record it and have it get taken off again, the only thing you can do is Rockfin, Patreon, put it on some type of a of a website where you're not in fear that it's just going to go poof and disappear. Right. That's uh, not the only trick they use, right? Shadow ban, you know. Yeah. So, um, actually, I was going to tell you, some people will follow me on Instagram and they'll go to look for my profile and they'll say, I don't know why, but it made me unfollow you. They didn't even go to my Instagram to unfollow me. They just noticed that they went to look for it and had unfollowed. So it's just, you cannot get ahead. (laughs) That's how I feel. At least, you know, I'll be like, I'm doing really, really good. And my audience is growing. And then all of a sudden it'll be very quiet for a while. And I almost think that they don't want to reflect the growth in how many f- new followers I have or how many new listeners I have because of what I talk about. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay. <laughs> Maybe so, uh, no, I'm not it, crazy. No, you're not. Because I look at mine, people will sign up for my Twitter. All of a sudden, I just see my follower count slowly decline. Maybe it's just because of what I said, but it does seem kind of <laughs> suspicious. If I don't know. But sometimes I could just post a picture of my dog and it's like I lose eight people and I'm like, dang, you didn't have to yeah, be it like that. It seems weird. Like, yeah, you guys are really that angry? Like, so <laughs> why are you following me anyway? Because all I've said is really idiosyncratic, you know, skitzed mm-hmm. out, noided stuff. So why are you leaving now? Like what no, right. on one of these things like drove you off the edge? Oh, no, I don't want to hear anything about JFK. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm gone. Bye. Down the river. But for the listeners who maybe are hearing uh, you for the first time on my show, can you let them know where they can find you, what episodes are uh, available and haven't been taken down? Really? Not to my knowledge, not on Spotify. I signed a contract with Spotify last year, so they've been good to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can hear my show, William Ramsey Investigates, on a wide variety of subjects. Some of the stuff we talked about today. Anywhere that you can find your podcast. And then my website is William Ramsey Investigates. If you want to kind of see some of my writings or order a book, a signed copy, uh, you can do that there. And then I'm on Rockfin if I stream, which I kind of have given up on streaming. I pretty much, since I got kicked off of YouTube for like the third time, I'm kind of like, but my podcast is in the top, you know, 15,000 podcasts in the world. So I have a decent amount of listeners and you uh, do happy about that and uh you can I'm find me to be on like you when i grow up william <laughs> don't what's you know, your be secret be <laughs> <laughs> uh just reading a lot you know i think that it really was that i was really naive like i had a conventional education and i kind of believed what they told me so i had to kind of re-educate and reorient myself to all this stuff and it really is the benefit of the what we're doing now and and the new technology and stuff is you can really kind of see what really happened uh, and there's no memory holding or less of that where stuff gets disappeared or the new cycle 
disappear stuff in 24 hours. So mm-hmm. I'm totally a believer in public media and people talking like this and no leadership where it's just uh, distributed leadership where people are all doing their own thing is really yeah. an ideal. It's the ideal culture. It's an ideal information sharing and let the market kind of the public commons and the public marketplace determine the value of something. So it may not be for you. You can move on, but at least maybe you can see other people. Maybe that uh, you can find, like I found the others. I didn't know there were that many others like me, like kind of uh, parapolitical types, but I found a lot of other. And I think a lot of people are interested. They know the parapolitics is the real politics um, beyond the culture, beyond the kind of Wizard of all, Oz curtain. But, uh, you know, it's interesting you say that because I feel like podcasts in general are the new library. And mm-hmm. I get some weird comments on some episodes I do or or even things I post on Instagram. And I kind of equate it to a library that you're not going to like every book you check out or every author. But there are so many conspiracy theory podcasts at this point. You can pick and choose, like, I like this episode from her, then I'll go to William Ramsey and check out this episode, then I'll go to this podcast and check out this. You don't have to subscribe to, like, one person's view of everything. You can dabble around and, and you know, run it through the garden, Baskin Robbins this thing, and try all the flavors. But at the end of the day, you're just needing to learn something whether that be from myself or from you or for from whoever. And I think that's the beauty of podcasting. I agree with you. It's part of the process too. What you like, what you don't, you can see it. Like I, I was like a guy who went through all this earlier quote podcasters, Alex Jones, mm-hmm. um, William, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who did all the uh, kind of conspiracy stuff back. I then. was listening to like, um, did Visigoth? What's what Bill, uh, like Bill Cooper? Crow Triple Seven and, and oh, yeah, Alex yeah, Jones. Too. And yeah. then I found you eventually, and you were one of my top faves. And then Tinfoil Hat and all of these other shows. And now it's kind of like anyone can start a podcast. It doesn't mean that you're going to be successful at it, but it's kind of are you going into it to provide um, useful information? And if so, people will respond to that. And I think that's why your show is so successful as well is because I learn something every time I listen to one of your episodes. Cool. That's kind of was my intent was try to, you know, uh, give somebody a learn myself included. Like I learned from all those books that I've read. I haven't read through all of those books, but I've read a significant proportion. Like it's changed my outlook and my sensibilities. I'm much more grounded. Like I don't fall for propaganda as much after I've read as uh, as many of these books. Like I was a sucker for 9-11. Like, but I wouldn't believe anything the government says anymore after reading all these books or so. Oh, for dangerous. sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm glad like I've tried to do something edifying, like not try to just be like uh, sensationalized. I got this great right. bombshell, Bob, and also evergreen, you know, like I really tried to make them evergreen so people could go back two years from now and see something you like, just like you said, like you I can do pick, as well. I do that from too. The garden, so to speak. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. feels good. Maybe you're not interested now, but maybe like I did a show with Ralph Blumenthal about John Mack and then this whole UFO thing popped up again. So people might find looking, seeing like John Mack, who's like a legit uh, academic looking into the UFO phenomenon. 
And then you can re-upload the episode when it's popular again, whatever the topic may be. Um, and I seem to remember listening to an episode on someone else's podcast when, where they, uh, and I wanted to just get your thoughts really quick. They compared the hotel manager in the shining to JFK and that that was somehow a connection back to some more conspiracy type theories, like with Stanley Kubrick. What did you think about that? I heard that too because he has the same head and the same haircut, right? Same haircut. There's a little American flag on the desk. The way he kind of folds his hands and and his mannerisms resemble JFK. Wow, that's really interesting. I'd like to look into it. He was uh, Kubrick was very clever, so he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was outwitting even his like uh, movie reviewers. They didn't really know what he was doing. But I know for Eyes Wide Shut, he was doing all kinds of stuff like that. He was referring back to his earliest work and look. He referred to other films. Uh, He was leaving kind of like a record. So to do that in The Shining would not be surprising at all. I know he integrated the whole 237 Mm -hmm. NASA rocket stuff in there. Oh, Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to leave the listeners with a little Easter egg there to go and look into some more info on that. But um, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much, William, for joining me. It's great to be with you again, Julia, anytime. I will let you uh, know when my book's on. I'll be happy to send me a mailing address. I will send you a book copy you get to have i am so excited and then i'll I'll, uh email you so we can talk about the book i want to read it first and then i'll have you come on so we can kind of talk about it (laughs) but uh, thank you so much and thanks to all the listeners we'll catch you on the next one